So, kids, if you want to head out to reach kids, you can head out now. Do we have any with us? We have a couple. All right. All right. So, we are moving through our series, uh, God-sized conversations. These are conversations that uh, that we've initiated as a congregation, uh, asking. Uh, Questions to God, about God, about our faith, about what it means to be a Christian, how to relate Jesus to our lives, all these sorts of things. Now, last week we talked about um, kind of one of the fundamental questions that's going to guide us through the rest of the series. That ultimately God's answer, finally and definitively, is Jesus. That if we're looking for an answer from God, it's going to be in and through Jesus, not through just a a general God, not just through... um, through a better life, but through the redemption and the work of Jesus, through Christ crucified, which is why we are about him, nothing, nothing but him, week after week after week. We want to see the gospel. We want to see the work of Jesus. Now this week, we're looking at kind of another fundamental that's going to help us with the rest of the series, a foundational principle. And that what we're asking today is, uh, came up several times in your questions, why did God create us? Why did God create us? Why did God create humanity? Why did God decide to create in in the first place? Now, there's kind of two aspects to this question. The first part is kind of why did God bother at all? This is looking at the the God side of it. So why did God, who seems to be totally fine in and of himself, why did he decide to create? And my hope is that as we answer that question, it's a good question because it's going to guide how we think about everything else. That if we're expecting something from God or we we have this kind of very essential basic understanding of what God's intention is in everything, if we get that wrong, we're going to get God wrong. We're going to get all of life wrong. We need to understand this question. We need to see what God kind of purpose for all creation. But beyond that, God, there's kind of a second question that's related to it. Um, and this is how this question relates to us. What, what were we made for? What is our purpose? Where do we fit in creation? And there's something really good about that question too because it's assuming something. It's assuming that we don't come here to make our own purpose. That we don't get to reinvent the wheel. That when we start our lives, we don't just start and ask ourselves, well, like, what do I want my life to be about? No, that... God created us and gave us a purpose. He gave us a reason. And if we kind of create our own purpose that is out of line with what we were created for, then our whole lives are going to be contrary to creation, to God's order, to our own selves. And we're going to be wholly thrown off in all of life. But if we're willing to submit to the, the created purpose that God has given us, then we're going to thrive, we're going to enjoy the life that God has given us. All right. So we have th- kind of three questions going on here. First, why did God create everything? Then why did God create us, humanity? What were we made for? And finally, what does that mean for our lives? So creation, us, and our lives. So if you're, if you're ready, let's pray and we'll, we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for just a chance to worship and to come together, a chance to look at Jesus and be reminded of the work that he has done. Father, we thank you for reminding us again and again that it's not what we have done, it's what Jesus has done. 
It is nothing of ourselves. It is, it is all Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would help us to, um, to align ourselves with your purposes. Father, would you give us um, lives that are full of meaning and purpose and joy because we are connected to the things that you've called us to. Would you help us to see uh, in your scripture and in our own lives um, what our, our great purpose is and, and ultimately your greatness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so first off, first off, why did God decide to create it all? Now, this is a good question because uh, I think behind this question, it has good assumptions. Because some people who don't ask this question are, aren't asking the question because they're, they're misunderstanding God. And so first we're going to start with kind of some of the, the wrong answers to this question. All right, the number one kind of wrong answer is that, that God wanted, he needed, he needed and wanted relationship. It's this kind of picture of a lonely God. A God that doesn't have anyone to fellowship with. A God that doesn't have anyone to love and no one to love him in return. All right, we want to make sure that we're, we're talking about the, the God of the Bible, the God as he reveals himself in Scripture. That's not the God that we know. All right, we have a God who is, is perfectly content in who he is. That has everything that he needs. He doesn't come to us and, and ask, like, you know, I'm... I'm I need a friend. Will you be my friend today? Like, I, I created you for that purpose. No, he was, he was fine. All right, we have a Trinitarian God. We have a God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. God in and of himself had relationship. He had love. He had, they could have conversations. All right, he wasn't looking for, for friendship. He wasn't looking for fellowship. He had that in and of himself. All right, some other bad answers. Um, and they're not, they're not ultimately, they're not wrong, wrong answers. Because they're found in scripture. So you could say things like, well, God, God came, he did everything so that he could, he could love us. Or to save us, to give us grace. Now, that's, that's one of the reasons that God created. But we're, we're, looking, for, we're looking for a hierarchy here. That we're looking for the ultimate purpose. The purpose that trumps all the other purposes. Because if we, if, we, if we kind of get stuck on a secondary purpose of God, we're going to say things like, well, if he came to save people, then he failed. Why didn't he save everyone? Not everyone is trusted in Christ. Or if he came to, to give grace to everyone, well, why, why isn't everyone a Christian? And we have these kind of questions. A lot of the questions that we have are, are based in kind of a fundamental misunderstanding of God that we expect him to do, some, do things a certain way because we have this assumption of, of what his purpose is. All right. So that's where there is one ultimate purpose that trumps all others. Where all these other causes and purposes and, and actions of God are subsumed under one, one ultimate category that ultimately, at the end of the day, God created to bring glory to himself. To bring glory to himself. It's for the glory of it all that he did it. All right, that, and that's not just like, that's not my answer. That's, that's what the, the church has, has found to be the answer. That as we look at scripture, that is the, the one and only good answer to the question. 
He did it for his own glory. All right, what does that mean? What does that mean? That's, that's kind of Christianese jargony. Uh, all right, so, all right, so what is glory? Glory is, uh, I, I feel like I, I explain this like once every, once a month. Um, <laughs> I know, and it's, it's like, it's a vague concept. We're not a glory-shame culture, so it's helpful. Um, all right, so to, to, to create all things for your own glory, he, he created all things for his own, we could say it different ways, his own fame. To make a name for himself. To, to reveal to us his, his majesty, his goodness, his awesome wonder. He did it for his glory. All right, so with that in mind, when God created all things, he kind of, he put himself into creation so that we would understand, the creation would understand and see who he really is. And who he really is and how amazing he is. That's why he created. All right, so we think of uh, an artist. No, so a great painter, a great musician. Uh, so we look at their works. We look at their, their painting. We look at their, their song. We, we listen to it. And what do we do? All right, we enjoy that thing. But then we're supposed to kind of take it back and you, you praise the artist. The artist is revealed in their creativity, in their genius, in their brilliance. And that's what creation is supposed to do. It's supposed to kind of be extrapolated out of the work itself back to this creator. Back to the creator who, who had the, kind of, who is so beautiful, so is so majestic and powerful that he brought this to being. That's the point. All right, so uh, when we look out, when we look out and see, see the stars, when we see the, the Milky Way galaxy, we can kind of finally get away from the city if we ever get there. All right, what do we see? We see the glory of God. We see the beauty of the creator. Uh, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies above proclaim his handiwork. That all of creation is saying how good this God is. How amazing this God is. And we get glimpses of it. When we, when we see the, the oceans stretch out before us. When we look at, at like this intricate rose, when we... In biology books, when we hear about how, like, the workings of a, like, the tiny little microscopic workings of a cell, all right, we're supposed to take that back and see the, the glory of our creator, the glory of God. All right. Which reminds us, which reminds us that ultimately, this world is not about us. That creation wasn't about us. That behind everything, when God did all, that all that he did, God did it for himself. That we might enjoy who he is. He didn't create for us. He created so that we could see him. Not so that he could enjoy us, so that we could enjoy him. That's the point. All right. That, that kind of... When I first learned that, it was unsettling. Because it sounds kind of weirdly selfish and creepy. All right, that when God decided, all right, I, I just, I need to make sure that everyone knows how amazing I am. 
All right, that's essentially what we're saying. That he, he, was, he was sitting there all content in his being, and he thought, you know what? More people need to know how amazing I am, so I'm going to invent people to, to, to know how amazing I am. All right, and we have some, it's kind of weird to us. All right, and I think it's weird to us because we kind of, we, we like to take humanity and throw it back on, on God. And we make the same assumptions that we would make about humans and make them about God. And if a human being decided that they were going to make all of their life about bringing glory to themselves and how I'm making sure that, that the whole world knows how amazing they are, we would hate that person. And rightfully so. We would hate that person because they're not that amazing. That if they decided that, like, you know, I'm going to resolve that people know that I'm the most amazing thing in the universe, or it's just a lie, because they're not. We're, we're all weak, we're all flawed, we're all messed up, we're all sinners, and we don't deserve it. And if someone were to do that, it would be to, to abuse and mistreat all the other people. Because it, be, it would be fooling them. It would be using people for their own glory. That if someone were trying to convince us that they're this great, if we actually believed them, we'd be destroyed by it. Because we'd be living a lie and we'd be enslaved to this person who we think is so great. All right, we want to make sure that we distinguish between humanity working for glory and God working for his own glory. Because first of all, God is actually that amazing. He is worthy of worship. If you, if you gave your life completely to him, you wouldn't be destroyed by it. You'd be blessed by the, the riches of his beauty and majesty and perfection. That as you gave yourself more and more and more to that, you'd find that it is more true and true and true. That there's more to enjoying God. That there are no flaws. That there's nothing to, to, to balk at. And that's where we trust that when God says, all right, I'm going to make creation all about my own glory, that is a gift to his creation. That creation gets to enjoy who God is and what he is and what he is to us. And if God decided not to share his glory with us, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be lost. All right. Now, the last thing is, uh, I need to convince you that this is actually in the Bible. All right, just because I say this doesn't mean that it's actually there. Um, and part of me is like, well, it's, kinda, it's hard to prove it because it's in everything. All right, it's in every passage. If you, if you really like, there's so many passages, they walk you through, and they have these lines of reasons of why God does things, why, why God did that. Like, okay, so Jesus died so that we might be saved, so that we might receive grace, for the glory of God. At the end of all, so many of these passages, it ends in the glory of God. That the point was, was the glory, the praise of his name, to enjoy the beauty of who he is. And so, to just one, one example. One example that I think is, uh, kind of smacks you in the face with it. Uh, Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. It's on the screens right here. Uh, and notice, notice the reasons here. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. He's talking to Israel and he's saying, you know, I, I want to destroy you guys because you are so evil. 
and I, I want to destroy you, but, but for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. All right, six times in here, he, he says why he's doing what he's doing. And we actually see the hierarchy of desires here. That what does God want to do? God wants to just let his wrath go to just unleash judgment. But what, what is holding him back? It's that he's committed to something more. He's committing to, to his glory. He's committed to his namesake. He's committed to people understanding ultimately who he is. And he refuses to be known as just this cloud of wrath. Or this angry God. No, he's, he wants to be, he wants for humanity, for creation to see every aspect of him that they may praise him for the sake of his name. All right. That's the purpose. That's why God created. Uh, do we have any questions about that? Any questions? Any thoughts? I, I was told last time I asked questions and I didn't wait long enough. So I like, any questions? All right, come on. Um. All right, so I'm going to ask a question at, at the end of each of these sections. So if you, if you develop questions, you can raise your hand. Uh, we're going to start trying this. It makes sense of all series to, to try asking questions in the midst of the question-asking uh, sermon series. So, uh, we good? All right. Is anyone troubled by this? That God is all about his own glory, making sure that everyone knows his majesty and glory and beauty? Adele is Adele. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's, where, that's where the, it has to be a conversation. Whenever we come to God with questions, whenever we're revealed things about God, it doesn't just reveal things about God, it reveals things about ourselves. And when we, when we speak to people who don't love God and don't think that he deserves praise or deserves all of our lives, they're going to think that this sounds very selfish. Because no, I want, I want life to also be about me. And that's not just the non-believer. That's what all of us think in our hearts. I want life to be about me. I, think, I don't think God should be number one. And it takes the work of the Spirit to convince us that God is better, that God is deserving. And it takes uh, our own confessions that we don't often believe that and the change of our own hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely that we would believe that, that we could convince someone that we are excited more about the glory of God than about ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Ready? Thank you, Dale. All right. Uh, all right. So next question. Next question. Uh, why did God create humans then? So why did God create humans? What is our, what is, how do we fit into this whole system? What's the purpose? Um, now, true to what Adele just said, um, we have to remind ourselves that, in some sense, we're not special. We are not in this, this completely different category 
that we're in the same category as the stars and as the mountains and as the, the blue crab. We're all here to bring God glory. All right, we're just doing it in slightly different ways, but like we're all doing it. We're all the same mission to bring God glory. Uh, Isaiah 43, 6 through 7. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. All right, that's why we were created. We are sons and daughters that we are created for the glory of God. All right, we're not in a special category here. We're all creation on one level, kind of bringing glory to God, proclaiming the name. Now, so what is, what is unique about humanity then? Because we are special. There are a few creatures that God has created that actually can understand the glory of God differently. All right, humans and angels, we have, a, we have an actual relationship to, to God and a, an understanding of what is all going on here that the blue crab doesn't. All right, so when the blue crab gets up in the morning, uh, he just does what he's doing, and it brings glory to God because, you know, he's, he's another one of the creatures. He's delicious. You know, <laughs> we enjoy that part of him. Like, well done, God. Like, you, we, <laughs> all right, you, you did a good job with the blue crab. All right. Um, but, but, like, the blue crab isn't, like, looking out across the, the ocean and saying, like, you know, I just really love my creator. <laughs> or look who did all of this. And that's where we, as humanity, we are uniquely able to kind of look at the art and not just be the art, but, but recognize the art and, and then take it to the artist. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to interact with life and we have a choice to make. We can choose to bring God glory or not. We can interpret the things before us and give, gl give glory to God or not. We can live our lives that can, can proclaim God as the ultimate and highest and best, best thing in, in all the cosmos. Or we can choose to, to give that glory to another. We can choose to treat other things like they're the greatest thing in the universe. That is something that, that humanity and, and angels, there's a lot of interest in angels in this series, so I'll, I'll start talking about them a little more, um, are uniquely able to do. That's why we're in a special category. All right. And what did we do with that? What did we do with that? We know what we did with that. All right. Humanity always has these choices. All right. So you can, you can obey God or you can obey your desires. And one thing, one shows that God is the greatest thing in all of creation. One thing shows that, that your desires are the greatest thing in all creation. All right. You have a choice in what you can can long for in your heart. And you can long more than anything else to, to see the face of God. To dwell with him, to be with him for all eternity, to, to bring him honor and glory. Or you can long for, for something else. For anything else. Your heart can be attached to something else. You can make your life about, about worshiping God himself, or you can make yourself your life about worshiping something, something other than God. And the reality is that, as Romans 1 tells us, every single one of us has chosen the wrong thing. 
we have all given the glory to to created things. And in the words of Romans, we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. That we gave this purpose that we had to glorify and honor to other things besides God. And we started running after these things and our desires, our purposes, our actions all kind of became focused on the, the wrong purpose to love and enjoy the wrong thing. All right, so we think of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they're sitting in the garden. And what did they decide? They decided that this piece of fruit, this piece of fruit was the greatest thing in all creation. That between God and this piece of fruit, there was greater promise, greater joy, greater beauty in this piece of fruit than in God. And when they made that their ultimate thing, when they, when they reached out and worshipped that, and all the implications of that, their desires, their, their actions, their whole purpose in life changed. Their hearts were, were corrupted by it. Alright, that's a decision that we make every day. Alright, when we make people the ultimate, when we make people the ultimate, and we start running after their approval, you can see your life start to, to change and be warped and manipulated by that. That suddenly we become kind of false and two-faced. That we're concerned with externals, we feel like we have to, to fake it all the time. Or that we have to be, always be agreeing, or we have to lie about things to, to have them accept us. All right, let's take something like money. If money is your ultimate thing, your desires and your actions start shaping around pursuing that thing. And suddenly we have things like oppression and slavery where, where, where our actions are worshiping that thing. And we'll do whatever we can to get them. All right, we might enslave ourselves to our work. We might cut off all these other things hoping that, that our God will help us. Right, we think of, of sex. That as this big thing becomes our, our greatest treasure, we will lie and we will cheat and we will steal and we will abandon to get these things. All right, that's what the human heart has done with our purpose. That's what we've decided to do with it. That's what Adam did. That's what, that's what we do. All right. So how did God respond to our decision to, to make that our purpose. To take the glory that's, that should be to God and give it to all these other things. Alright, we know what the answer is. The answer is always, is Jesus. That God, instead of, instead of saying, how dare you give my glory to another, like, you, your purpose has been lost. You are destroyed now. What did he say? He said, you know what? No, I'm going to make it right. And instead of destroying you for not seeing my glory, I'm going to give you a better picture of my glory. And Jesus came and he humiliated himself. This glorious being, he came and he humiliated himself. And his whole life, he, he put the purposes of God and the glory of God above anything else. He only said what he was supposed to say. He only did what he was supposed to do. His desires were 100% secondary 
to the purposes of God. God is not the Father. He's God too. Right. Um, <laughs> so we're all paying attention. All right, and why did he do it? He did it so that he could give that perfect obedience. He give the, the glorification of God to us. And then the greatest act of humiliation, he died for the fact that we gave the glory to another. This God who deserved all the glory, utterly humiliated on the cross because we failed to give God glory. And then one step beyond that, what did he do? He decided to then, okay, when, when he was glorified, he was going to give us that glory. The glory that God should have, have deserved and should have earned from us because he, he deserved it. He gave it to us in Jesus. He gave us his own glory. He shared with us his glory. That we will be lifted up into the heavens and partake of that glory forever. All right, that is how God responded. Now that's the point. That, that's, how, that's how we get restored. That's how we get back to the glory of God. Is we don't beat ourselves up. We, we remind ourselves of how beautiful God is in Jesus Christ. The glory of God in Jesus Christ. And we look at the cross and we remind ourselves day after day of the beauty of the cross. And we gaze upon it and we adore the cross. We adore Jesus. We rejoice in who God has revealed himself to be in Jesus. That God is, is mercy and grace and love. But not just that, he is also, he's also truth and justice and wrath. But wrath that has taken it upon himself. All right, that, that's the beauty of our God. And as we gaze upon the cross, as we love Jesus, we'll be free from our running after all these things, all of our false idolatry, looking at the glory of other things, we look at Jesus. All right. Questions? Questions? About what our purpose is? No? All right. No? Is that long enough? Long enough? It was good. All right. No, you just told me. You just told me. So I figured you knew. <laughs> I want to make sure you got your questions answered. All right. Yes, yes, see, see. <laughs> I get the, the idea that the chief end of man is to glorify God. Right. But functionally, living life, we have other purposes that, that give glory to God. But So, I know my marriage is, to, is designed to give glory to God, but there's, right. but there's a purpose in my marriage that ultimately results in glory to God, but there's right, right. But, but there's kind of like sub-purposes along the way. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. And even, even in God, there are sub-purposes. That God's, God's purpose for one person is going to be different than the purpose for another. They have completely different lives. Some, one might be saved, one might not be saved. And their goal is to glorify God, and they both successfully do that. So we're not saying that, that we glorify God in kind of a 
independent of the things that we do. Nowhere to glorify God in, in all that we do. And we can either do things in a way that holds up God as our ultimate value and purpose and love, or we can do those same things in a way that, that do not do that. And that's where it can be the exact same action. That you can, you can give money to the homeless guy, or food to the homeless guy. You guys don't like when I say money, because you're not supposed to do that. All right, food to the homeless guy. <laughs> when you give food to the homeless guy, it can be because you love God and you you know that if you want to reflect the heart of God, you're going to be generous as God was generous to you in Jesus Christ. And he gives you more than you deserve. He, he lavishes grace upon grace upon grace upon you. And you are going to lavish grace upon this homeless man as a reflection of God's beauty and glory. All right. Or you can give, home, give money or, uh, food to the homeless guy because um, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy. All right. Is that, is that evil? It doesn't sound evil, but it's not achieving the chief end of man. It's not achieving the glory of God. It's, there's nothing behind it. And that's where we're called to so much more than just kind of black and white obedience. We're truly called to, to love and enjoy God and do the things that we are called to do because we love God's character and we want to do them out of love for this God. All right. And that, that's where, that takes us to our next topic, which is the, the implications. What does this mean for our lives? Um, this is bigger. This is bigger than the Ten Commandments. This is bigger than just vague obedience. This is our call. It's to love and enjoy and gaze upon the beauty of God. Now, we do that in obedience, but we can do that in, in a million different ways. But if it doesn't have that heart, we haven't achieved the final purpose. And so, we have decisions that we can make. We have decisions and we have autonomy in some sense. And I'm calling you to, to glorify God. To love and enjoy Him. To do the things that would please Him. To do the things that would hold Him up as your greatest joy, as the greatest beauty in your life as the best thing that you can imagine. That's what you're called to do. And that's what you're called to do in everything that you do. Now that's a, that's a big task. That's a shocking task. And that's why I tell you, keep looking at the cross of Jesus. Keep looking at what Jesus has done for you, the beauty of the cross, the beauty of his death and resurrection. Gaze upon the glory of the cross that you might want to glorify him and worship him and praise him. If you're not looking at the cross enough, this is going to be impossible because there's not enough beauty. We're supposed to be so captivated by the beauty of God in Jesus that all these other things just look ugly in comparison, that we don't want them in our lives, that we don't want to do them, we don't want to reflect them in our hearts. That's the point. That's what we're called to do. And that's where uh, the final, final thing before we have questions is you have, you have two choices. You can glorify God in Jesus Christ and be a recipient of his grace and mercy and love and his lavishing kindness of grace. You can glorify God in that way. 
Or you can glorify God as a picture of someone who has rejected God and what it looks like to be someone outside of grace and outside of Jesus. We will all glorify God in the end. We will all become a picture of something, either of the great grace of God or of what it looks like to, to not receive it. And so I'd call you to, to choose Jesus. Glorify God in Jesus. Glorify the mercy of God, not the wrath and justice of God. You're going to glorify God either way. As Jesus says, he, he's, <laughs> he says in his triumphal entry, the Pharisees are saying, why are the people are praising you? They're glorifying you. And what does he say? He says, if... If they don't do it, the rocks will do it. All right, the rocks will do it, the crabs will do it, the mountains will do it, the stars will do it. We will all glorify God in the end. You have a choice in this life if you're going to choose to glorify God in Jesus today and tomorrow and every second of every day. Do it for the joy of enjoying the grace and mercy and love of God in Christ. All right, questions? Yeah. <laughs> so where does um, where does our good works come in? So Ephesians two ten, we were Christ's workmanship. Right. To do good works, we were created for that purpose of doing good works. So how does that fit with God's glory? I would expect you know the answer, Dan. <laughs> I'm sure Dan knows the answer. Rhetorical question for helping all of you. Thanks, Dan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how does how do good works? Okay, why are we called to that? All right, what, what brings glory to a parent but obedience to that parent? All right, shows that their judgment matters, that their wisdom is better, that you would rather please them than please yourself. All right, that's where we, that's where we talk about good works, that good works bring glory to God. And they show that, you know what, the wisdom of God is better than the wisdom of, of, of myself. That the desires of God are higher than the desires of myself. And when we do those good works, we are bringing glory to God. That matters. Good? Fair? Do you want to add anything to that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Other questions? Other questions? Yeah. If everything brings glory to God in the end, why didn't he just grab us being with? Why didn't he take our free will? Okay. All right. That's a great question. That's going to be one of the questions in the series. So I'm going to, I'm going to let us wait until then. Um, in, the, in, the sh in the short term, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that... All right. Have you ever read a story where there's absolutely no conflict? All right. Even toddler stories. Remy stories. There's some kind of conflict. All right. There... We want to see the whole picture of God. We want to see God in, in, in who he actually is. And I think the best we can say is he told the story in a way that shows his whole being, his whole character, so that we can rejoice in seeing all of him. Versus a story that just looks like one tiny aspect of who he is that kind of puts the focus on us. That we would enjoy life, but we wouldn't actually enjoy God. But we'll get more into that. That's a big, big question. All right. Any other questions? All right. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for the purpose that you've given us. We ask that we, we would thank you for the purpose that you've given us. Father, too often we, in our hearts, we, we want the glory to go to ourselves. We want to see ourselves lifted up and glorified and not you. And so, Father, would you help us to see Jesus? Would you help us to see the cross and enjoy the cross and love him and love the things that he's done? Father, you are, you are more beautiful in Jesus than anything else. Would you shape our hearts that, that we would believe that and want to bring glory to you more than anything else? Help us by your spirit to do that. Father, help us to, to look upon the cross as our forgiveness. That we may bear no guilt or shame for failing to bring you glory, but they would give you glory because of that same cross. Father, help us and fill us with your spirit. We pray in the name.